Punk Fest Chapter 42. The good news was the punks got arrested, Hank told us. My mom put her hand over her chest and sighed with relief. The bad news is, so did I, Hank muttered. What? I lunged forward. That's terrible. Hank chased the guys who beat up my mom five blocks. As he was running, Hank picked up a rock and threw it at them. The rock landed on the guy's head and they got into a huge fight. A cop parked across the street saw what happened and immediately jumped out of his car and arrested them all. Hank was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and had to spend the night in jail. My mom covered her mouth with her hands. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, my mom said. Where are the other guys, I asked. They're still in jail, but I took the plea and at least now I'm out, he said. My mom reached over and put her hand on Hank's. Oh, Hank, my mom said. Hank looked at her. What about you? You okay, he asked. What'd the doctor say? He said I'll be fine. It's just a concussion, my mom told him. What about the bleeding, he asked. It's only on the outside, my mom said, touching her bandage with her hand. Hank nodded, relieved to hear. Good, he said. Now, if you'll excuse me, I gotta go to my room and pack. What for, I asked. I can't stay here rent-free anymore, he said. I spent the night in jail, remember? I've broken my 30 days. By one day, I exclaimed. Still, Hank said. Rules are rules. Mr. Yao's not going to know. Hank looked at the floor. When I was in jail, they put two and two together. They remembered me from the car theft case. So they called up Mr. Yao and told him I was in jail. He said with a sigh, he knows. Hank lifted his eyes to meet mine. Take care of your mom, kiddo, he said. A lump formed in my throat, seeing him standing there empty-handed with no money, no place to live, and nowhere to go. You can't leave, I said. I looked to my parents. Mia's right, my dad said. We have to do something. Front Desk, Chapter 43. Hank was shocked by our offer. Hide me, are you sure? Yes, my parents said. We do it all the time for immigrants from China. We just have to be careful. What if we get caught? Hank asked. We won't tell if you don't tell, my mom said. We helped Hank clean up his stuff and move into another room. There was no way he could keep staying in room 12. Mr. Yao might go and check in there. He had to switch rooms, but not with so much stuff. Hank had a lot of junk that he'd accumulated over the years, so whatever he decided was an essential, we chucked. We moved his tomato plant to the pool. The rest we moved into my closet. When he was able to get his bare essentials down to one small bag, my dad handed him the key to room 5. It'll only be for a little while, Hank said, just until I get back on my feet. He was adamant about finding another job. On that front, he wasn't leaving a ton of luck, though. The problem wasn't finding an open position. It was that he didn't have a reference letter from his old employer. What's a reference letter? I asked him before I left for the night. He didn't seem like he wanted to talk about it much, so he wouldn't say exactly. Just that it was important and he didn't have it. Later that week, I asked Hank if there was anything I could do to help him find a job. But again, he batted me away. Look. If it was simple, I would have asked you already, but it's not. It's complicated, he said. What's so complicated about it, I asked him. He shook his head. You're just a kid. You wouldn't understand, he said, which hurt a lot. I wanted to say to Hank, no, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to have to hold in your pee and not make a sound when you're in the bathroom and the popular girls walk in and start talking about you. I crossed my arms at Hank. Try me, I said. He sighed. Most places won't hire you unless you have a letter from your old boss saying how good you were. And I don't have that, he said, frowning. Well, could you get it? I asked him. He shook his head. No, I already tried. He paused for a second and added, and that's not even the biggest problem. What's the biggest problem? I asked. The biggest problem is that on top of everything else, now I have a criminal conviction. His fight with the guys who beat up my mom meant he had a record now. No employer wanted to touch him. 
I can't even hide it, he says. All they have to do is run criminal record backgrounds, check, and boom, there it is. So tell them the truth, I said. Tell them you are defending my mom. They'll never believe that, he said. Why not? Hank shook his head. Because I'm not like you, Mia. People look at you and they see a nice, sweet Chinese girl. What do they see when they see you, I asked. He looked at his feet. A criminal, Hank said. No, I said firmly. Don't say that. Why do you think I took the plea? I know what the verdict would be if we went to trial. People look at me and see guilty. I shook my head furiously. No, no, I kept repeating. Hank got quiet. There are some things, Mia, that no matter how hard you try, you'll never fully understand. As Hank looked into my eyes, I realized there were reference letters and mean girls. And then there were other things on the world, another level of you don't understand. Front desk, chapter 44. The police came over two days after the robbery to get my mom's statement about her attackers. She was worried about having to testify in court because of her broken English, but the officers assured her she didn't need to testify if she didn't want to. Her attackers were ex-convicts who had skipped out on their parole. They were going to stay in jail this time with no parole. My mother was relieved. Word got out about my mother's attack and the security guard from the Topaz Inn once again came bopping over. Hank and I were both at the front desk this time. I narrowed my eyes. What do you want? I heard about the attack, he said. Terrible, just terrible. Too bad you guys didn't have a security guard like me. I would have pounded his head in. You would have gotten arrested, Hank pointed out. The security guard gave a half shrug. In my line of work, an arrest is a badge of courage, he said. He jammed his hand into his pocket and pulled out a business card. Here's my number in case you guys ever need to hire a security guard, he said, sliding his card across the desk. I picked it up and was about to throw it away when Hank said, let me see that. He took the card with him back to his room. The next morning, Hank came back to the front office with four letters. He handed them to me. Mail these for me, will you? He asked. Sure thing, I said, taking the letters from him. The envelopes were addressed to various malls in our area. Anaheim Plaza, where my mom and I like to go, the Garden Walk, the festival over in Anaheim Hills, which was supposed to be really nice, and Canyon Plaza. One of the envelopes was not sealed tight, and as I flipped it over, a letter fell out. The word security guard caught my eye. I started reading. Dear Anaheim Plaza, my name is Hank Caleb, and I would like to apply for a job as a security guard in your mall. I am hardworking and honest. I also am responsible and take my job seriously. My last job was working at a gas station. I had to do many things like tend to the cash register, keep an eye on the customers, a lot of people try to steal from gas stations, wash windshields and check fluid levels, and air pressure. During my entire time working at the gas station, I was never late once. I take great pride in my work and I would like the opportunity to be a security guard because I like helping people and keeping them safe. If you hire me, if you hire me, I will not let you down. I would be honored to come in for an interview. Sincerely, Hank Caleb. I thought it was a wonderful letter and as I read it, I wanted to run out to the back, find Hank and give him a hug. I hope they gave him an interview and didn't just write back asking for a reference letter. I started thinking some more about this pesky reference letter. If only there was a way I could help him get one. That's when it dawned on me. I got a piece of paper and started writing. Dear boss, cross out employer, I would like to recommend Hank Caleb to you as a security guard. Hank Caleb has been a security guard at the Calavista Motel from June until now, and he is the best, cross that, most responsible, good, cross that, capable, and brave, cross that, courageous security guard we have ever had. Recently at the Calavista, we had an awful, unfortunate incident in which some crazy, cross that, dangerous people tried to steal money from the cash register. One of our managers tried to stop them and was beaten up and had to go to the hospital. 
Hank, right away, cross that, immediately ran after the crazy people, cross that, attackers. He chased them four blocks. He managed to catch them and he got into a fight with them. Unfortunately, some cops saw Hank getting into a fight with them and he ended up in jail. Cross that, arresting. But the point is, Hank did a lot. Cross that went out of his way to protect his managers. When most security guards would have chickened out, crossed that, stayed back. You will not find a better security guard than Hank. Please find the receipt of the hospital bill stapled as proof of evidence. If you have any questions, please call the Cala Vista at 555-281-0482. Sincerely, the managers of the Cala Vista Motel. It took me two and a half hours and five drafts to write the reference letter. I didn't want the letter to sound like it came from a kid, so I borrowed Mrs. T's dictionary thesaurus again, and I tried to make it as good as Hank's. I substituted simple words for fancier words and checked all the tenses and grammar. Finally, after proofreading it ten times, I copied the letter onto four clean white sheets of paper. I also rewrote Hank's letter in a different handwriting and changed all the stuff he wrote about working as a gas station to working at the Cala Vista. As I was forging Hank's signature, I felt a teeny bit bad. Was what I was doing wrong? What if he got caught? What if I got caught? Would Hank be mad at me? Part of me wanted to go over and tell Hank what I was doing, ask him if it was okay, but the other part of me worried he would say no especially given his strict views on reference letters. As I fretted over what to do, I glanced over at my math textbooks and thought about my mom. She told me once she was a little girl, she would eavesdrop on her brother's math lessons with his tutor. Her family only had enough money for one math tutor to come by the house, and her parents didn't think it was useful to educate a girl. But my mother, because she loved math so much, refused to give up. She would listen in her brother's lessons every week. If the tutor assigned homework, she would secretly do the homework. And here's the funny part. She would then sneak over to my brother's desk at night and change all of her brother's answers to match her own so that when the tutor came, he'd go over with him what she did wrong. In time, my mother got really good at math. That's probably why she was constantly hounding me to do more math. But that wasn't the point. The point was sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands and you have to be creative to get what you want. I stuffed the letters into news um, to new envelopes. As I licked them shut, I whispered under my breath, please let this work. The Front Desk, Chapter 45. At the autumn leaves turned and Hank waited to hear back from the mall, so we got a surprise visitor. A kid. You'd think that since we were so close to Disneyland, we'd get lots of kids, but we didn't. People with children preferred to stay at the actual Disneyland hotel or the nicer hotels over in Anaheim Hills. We did get the occasional teenager traveling with his parents, grumbling about not getting his own room. We also got the occasional toddler pitter-pattering around the parking lot, happily sucking on her thumb. But sadly, not many kids my age, so it was pretty cool when I looked up one day and saw a girl standing in front desk with her mom. She had a name of a bright red hair and freckles across her nose. Hi, I'm Mia, I said eagerly. Unfortunately, the girl did not return my enthusiasm. She chewed her gum loudly and looked at me like I was a bonus question on a math test. I handed her mom a registration form. So are you guys on vacation? I asked while her mom filled out the form. No response. We're only two miles from Disneyland, I said. Just keep going on the coast and you'll hit the freeway. We know where Disneyland is, the girl snapped. She turned to her mom. Are you done yet? She asked. She stuck her hand into the pockets of her skinny jeans. She was wearing Calvin Klein jeans, the kind I would kill for. Her mother tossed me back the form. As the two of them took their keys and turned towards the door, I called after them. If you need anything, we won't, the girl shouted, slamming the door behind her. Talk about rude. I called Lupe on the phone later to complain. You won't believe this girl, she said. So rude. Did she fall off the mean tree and hit every branch on the way down, asked Lupe. 
I giggled. You and your trees. I pictured Lupe sitting in her room, her walls lined with drawings of trees. You know, I've still never been to your house, I pointed out to her. Ah, uh, it's not much to look at, she said. That wasn't the point. Are you going to have me over? Yeah. When? Soon. I woke up the next morning to the most unexpected surprise. My mother ran into my room holding a pair of jeans. Guess what? The girl and her mom left and they left behind these. My mom squealed. She tossed me the jeans. They might just fit you. What do you say? You want to try these or after we wash them? I jumped out of bed and the two of us raced to the laundry room. My mother threw the jeans in for a spin. I sat with my nose pressed up against a washer. This was it. No more ugly floral pants. No more standing out like a sore thumb. I was getting my very first pair of American jeans. They were warm when they came out of the dryer. I held the jeans up to my face, closed my eyes, and smelled. They smelled like hope. The new jeans fit me like a glove. 100% normal hugging my jeans. I put on a nice shirt and practically skipped to school. Jason arched an eyebrow when I walked past. So did the popular girls in my class. I tried to play it cool, of course. I tried to walk normally, one foot in front of the other, but inside, fireworks were going off. <laughs>